1: What's going on guys and welcome back to the Watch Time podcast. We've got a lot of very exciting things to talk about today, including a lot of the new esports conversations that have been happening recently, teams popping up out of nowhere, founded by creators, a bunch of drama happening in the community, Morphe dropping Jeffree Star, as well as a bunch of other really, really interesting topics. Grace, how are you doing today?
0: I'm good. I'm good. It's been, it's, it's a Monday night now here um but it's been a little bit of a hectic weekend we've had a bunch of campaigns going live over the last few days a few new game titles releasing which is exciting but generally means for a few sleepless nights as well but that's okay how are you going
1: good good it's been a a pretty pretty hectic few days i've actually
0: really because i feel like you've actually had a chill weekend you like got out of town
1: yeah, okay, like sorry. Camping. Hectic day, aka yesterday. Because I, I yeah, I did get out of town. I actually like I think for the first time in like eight months probably, I, I wasn't in the office for a space of two days. Um and uh yeah, I went I went spear fishing, didn't really spear any fish, but it was cool. Uh and then uh and then also uh yeah, then came back yesterday to have two sponsored videos that I had to get done in less than like eight hours because they all needed to get posted and approved and yesterday was the hectic one
0: yeah okay well at least you had a chill weekend did you catch did you actually catch any fish
1: uh i didn't the people i was spearfishing with did (laughs) though i mean like look all right it was literally my first time okay it was my first time i can't yeah, I can't. I can't expect. No to judgment. No up. judgment. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Take
0: the gamer out of the office and see what happens. <laughs>
1: exactly. Exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, let's jump into it because what I want to talk about first this week is the rise of a couple of new esports teams that we've seen happen. So. Over the last two weeks, obviously, our good friend Lachlan launched his team power, um, which is super cool. And then just over the past week, uh, we saw the start of the 1%. Fortnite house mm. or esports team um so that's a group of guys that were previously with luminosity gaming and since left and i think left with a couple of their employees as well yeah. and started their own team and i think it poses a couple of really interesting questions that i know we talk about really frequently around um why creators are starting esports teams when they're not necessarily like professional esports players themselves like lachlan um you know, why they're doing it, what's important about starting an esports team yeah. and um and when creators kind of get too big for the orgs that maybe helped them get there, which I think is like a really interesting topic to kick off with the one percent house because these guys are all pro Fortnite players that were obviously signed with Luminosity and probably making like pretty good salaries. That's generally how the pro players are making their money, um, when they're signed with an org. They'll generally be being paid a salary and then they'll get like a majority cut of any prize earnings that they win and then the org will take like maybe 20 percent or something like that that's a pretty standard org contract yeah i think it poses a really interesting question though around uh why creators would leave their orgs or the the idea of creators getting too big for the orgs that made them because these fortnite house guys were probably at luminosity getting paid pretty good salaries and probably anywhere from between i would estimate based on their size um probably anywhere between maybe like eight to 20K per month, I would say, and then getting a share of whatever they win as their earnings. That's how a general esports org would work, that an esports org contract would work, in that they're getting paid a monthly salary and then they're getting paid a share of their earnings and earnings from competition. And that monthly salary will range dependent on a number of factors, mostly around um, if they're a professional player, how good they are, if they're a content creator, how many views they're getting, which is then driving back engagement to the org. But obviously that's a really great salary. Um, But I think it's really interesting to think about when does it get to the point where, you know, when you get started, joining an org is giving you a certain amount of like clout and um you know legitimacy and then at some point like when does the table turn and then suddenly the creator realizes that perhaps they could have more success doing it themselves
1: yeah i think the interesting thing is when i think about it uh is is what their motivation behind making it is because i think that it's undeniable. i actually think by and large the most successful orgs out there are the ones that are started by creators. I mean, you, you. If you actually go all the way back, the first orgs that were cre- that were created were done by creators. That was like Face Clan. Face Clan was purely started by YouTubers, and then I think it kind of is now going back in on itself a little bit, where it then went through a phase where it was all the companies making it, and then I, I think mm-hmm. I think YouTubers and and content creators and and pro players in general, I think. And I don't know whether it's specifically because of Fortnite, but I feel like Fortnite's definitely where it became a much bigger thing, where it's really kind of like blurred the line between what it is to be a pro player versus a content creator. Like back in like back in the day when esports first started, it was really like most pro players weren't the biggest personalities, you know, they, their names might no, have been known, not. but they weren't at the forefront of content at all. All. Whereas now it is absolutely like the biggest thing. Like every like I would say the vast majority of pro players in Fortnite who are like at the top of their game are also huge content creators. So I think it's kind of now yeah. allowed them to where it used to be, you needed to get a blend of the pro players and then the influencers to help kind of like push them up and give them a bit more attention now it's it's really just like they can they're like a you know they're like a multi-tool they've got the influence they've got yeah. the skills at the game they've got like pretty much everything and th- and i think they've now realized that they they can kind of do it all and that i, I think yeah. it's almost like um uh you know i don't know i don't know the right way to put it but you know like like how people always say that legal language is made excessively like complex sounding Because lawyers want you to think that they're the only one who can do their job. When in reality, you know, it it makes it harder. I think that's kind of like esports. I think all these like orgs wanted people to think that they were the only ones who could do it. And I think now people are, they're, they're like, ah, what really is an org these days? Though yeah, so, you know, true, it's kind of like true. it's kind of like ah, like, oh, it's a few people, and you've got branding, and sure you put out products, but other than that, like yeah, I can I can like you know give someone a contract to go and win games with my name, like it's it's not as complicated as it once was, I don't think.
0: Well, I think you're definitely right on the point that you just made there. And this is what I kind of want to like hear your thoughts on, but like what is an org and what is important to an org? Because, If you think about it, I feel like orgs back in the day, or not even back in the day, but probably more game dependent, like you needed an org. There was a lot of like hurdles to cross in terms of entering competition, that sort of thing that were required for starting an org. Now I feel like with Fortnite, especially Epic has just completely democratized that whole process. And now it's like, you don't need to necessarily be with a team or, you know, register for all of these certain things it's like if you're a good player you have the ability to play in like the cash cups or whatever they're putting on um so I think it like definitely raises a question like what is an org and what's actually important to an org because beyond that beyond your actual pro players when you see orgs starting now and I'm thinking about like the one percent team and i'm thinking about like team power like they're clearly talented and they've got some great players on their rosters but what what's actually the play you know like is the play that they're going to be the best at Fortnite in the world or is the play much more around we're going to build individual like channels and creators and do merch and do content and that sort of thing and like you look at Companies like Hundred Thieves and Phase, and that's clearly what they're focused on. And I think, like, if you ask a lot of people in the gaming industry, I don't know if anyone knows how Hundred Thieves teams performed this year or how Phase performed this year. And I mm-hmm. think as well, like, do Hundred Thieves and Phase even care that much? Like, is that what the play is?
1: Yeah, no, I think that I think there's like definitely a. a... A diehard segment of the fan base like some people mm. i'm sure follow them because they care about how they perform but i think you're right i think the vast majority of people are very much more invested in the brand than they are in the team's actual performance it's it's much more the personalities behind the org but i i think what's yeah. interesting um and kind of like a bit of a weird truth is that like orgs these days and 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 i think i think they reach a level of complexity after they reach a certain size where this isn't true anymore but essentially you know like like uh one percent and team power like they're just a they're just a youtuber group like that that really is like they're a youtuber group with a like esports flavor to it in my, in my opinion like realistically mm. in terms of the like like what they actually function and put out. It's like you're putting out merch and you're creating content to entertain people. That is the vast majority of what these things actually do, right? Like yeah, uh, and, and sure, like you play in competitions, but that isn't the core of what you're building and what your business is. You're building a brand around a group of content creators.
0: Totally, that is that is, that is ultimately brand. what it is.
1: Yeah, it's starting. I think that's definitely
0: the distinction.
1: Yeah, starting. Yeah, but I think even with like you know, I would even say with Click and Sidemen, they're built like they were brands. You know, like absolutely. So I I think that they're like there really isn't that much distinction between uh, like a lot of these like YouTuber orgs that get started and you know like groups like Click. Yeah,
0: well, I guess it's like for for the orgs themselves yeah i think it used to be considered that you needed all of this infrastructure and say for example you want to be a pro cod player or you want to like have a cod team it's like you need to be an org you can't just randomly start playing you know in these huge tournaments without that backing and without the infrastructure that comes from one of those teams. But I think Fortnite, yeah, really kind of changed the game with that, which is probably why you're seeing more of these orgs just pop up because they literally can just pop up. And then I'm thinking like as well for the orgs, What's actually the play for them? I like, was going to say that, to yeah. To an extent, yeah. Like to an extent, yeah. They care about winning, and they don't want to lose every time. And you can tell by things like, um, you know, like the hundred thieves, are uh, sort of compound that they've just created in L.A. where they have all these training facilities. Yeah. But again, that's where I want to come back to the question of like, is that actually what they care about, or is the hundred thieves compound that they've built? also very very valuable from a branding exercise you'll notice that like the whole compound and every room within it is sponsored like literally has naming rights attached to it um they're creating content in there it builds a narrative and that's where i think like the whole question on why are people starting orgs? Where's actually the value in an org these days? I think it's much, much less around the actual performance of the teams and much more around like, what's the narrative you're creating? What's the brand you're creating? And having a physical hub for that or having a channel for that kind of just plays to that narrative.
1: Yeah, I think pretty much the the biggest thing when it comes to like a lot of those orgs and the way they're, I mean, I, I think actually, you know, what's interesting. It's interesting you say that you don't think 100 Thieves is kind of as uh, as competitive focused because I actually think they're one of the few orgs that probably actually does make that a focus, whether or not they've actually managed to perform that well in the last year. I think that mm-hmm. 100 Thieves' weakest point really is actually their content. I think their branding is really strong. But I actually think their content is probably their weakest point. Yeah,
0: I know you feel strongly about this. Yeah, I just I think like... it's been improving, but you do look at their channel and it's like they fluctuate from 20k views a video to like 500k views a video.
1: Yeah, well, you know what's really interesting, and I guess actually, wow, well, we'll finish this topic because I've got I've got the next one I really am interested in talking about about like uh, mainly Team Power and like uh, and also Hundred Thieves, but it was based on something Andy said. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, but do you have anything else on, on the, like, you know, kind of what you think their strategy is before I, before I divert us onto the next topic?
0: Please divert us, please.
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, so, so what I just found super interesting is a comment that Andy made, which I think is, is yeah. Interesting. Which is building, cause I would say in, in terms of esports orgs that are run, like companies versus ones that are run you know like the whole creator vibe i would say energy is probably one of the best examples of that um mm. in terms of like i think they... those
0: that didn't listen um last week the Andy elliott's referring to is andy miller who we interviewed on watch time last week it was a brilliant episode so many interesting stories definitely go and listen to it if you haven't already
1: yeah yeah such a good episode um but but i remember he made he made a comment which was uh it's like the the biggest thing that he sees as an issue if he looks at an org like a hundred thieves is how tied it is to uh kind of like one, one individual person. creator or like one yes. person behind it. Yes. And and I think you can see that in Hundred Thieves content where when people think Hundred Thieves, they like they're like, oh shots org, right? Like that like it's yeah. it's his thing. Which is a yeah. problem because it means that uh You know, like if Nadeshot ever gets bored of it or he steps away from it, or even if there's an aspect of the org that doesn't involve him heavily, then it means it's not going to succeed as well. And I think that you can really see that in 100 Thieves content. When you look at their content, if it's like, it it really is the Nadeshot show, when you're looking at, or or, you know, Nadeshot and Courage, when you're looking at, um, when you're looking at like the content they do, what performs well, what doesn't perform well. It is like the difference between if it's a piece of content that involves Nade shot versus if it doesn't. It is night and day because people mm. aren't, I don't think, as invested in the overall team. And that was my only—that was actually my only, uh, my only real like, like thing that I was like I questioned a bit when uh, Lockie started Team Power was that obviously his name is Lachlan Power, Team Power. It's like the team name is literally his name, which I yeah. wonder which which you know what and he's very lucky it wouldn't be like if i called my team team watkins because that's really specific like he's lucky he's got a pretty dope ar- <laughs> yeah he's got a, he's got a pretty like dope a sick ass
0: name it's a sick name Yeah, it's
1: a sick last name you know like so it, he, he is lucky in the sense that i think it, it's not like it couldn't exist without him in a branding sense but i but i yeah. am interested to see if he's able to really kind of build the brand out uh in a way that you know kind of doesn't uh yeah
0: it's not just Lachlan yeah
1: that it's not like Lachlan and these are the friends that I brought along to you know play video games with like whether or not it it, yeah if if he's gonna because I think right now that like their content is obviously doing super well but it's almost like how you know if uh were to start like a second channel you know that would go well and, and and I'm not trying to like diminish away from what they've done because I think they've actually done a really really good job with it. But mm. I but but I'm saying that I don't know whether you can immediately be like okay, so now the org is as it exists like a big success or whether. Well, that's I actually- think
0: it like. Yeah, I think it goes back to that point around why are creators actually starting orgs in the first place? Like, why did Lachlan want to start Power? Why did Nadeshot want to start 100 Thieves? Why are these Fortnite guys not just taking a nice salary and actually trying to build a name for themselves that's not their own personal name? And I think, for me, it's it's 100% a smart move. It's not an easy move, but it's definitely smart if you can pull it off, because... For me, it's around the fact that creators have a lifespan, and that's a really harsh reality to say, but it's true. It's not like, me. I'll can't... be doing
1: YouTube till I die.
0: No, but like at the end of the day, it's a career, and while it's a great career, it's a career that's a hundred percent based on you. Like no one else can come and make videos for the music channel. Like you can't yeah. ever. Um, delegate that responsibility. You can delegate the editing, you can delegate whoever's making your thumbnail, but you can't delegate the fact that every day it has to be you behind the camera. And while that's great, and that's obviously half the point, it also poses a question that a lot of these creators, when they get into it, are like 18, 19 years old and yeah. they'll do it maybe for five, eight, 10 years. But at some point there will come a time where the content they're not making or the game they're playing kind of loses relevancy and, and people, that fluctuation in views and therefore income will go up and down. And therefore, I think what a lot of people are trying to do by creating these brands or creating these orgs is creating something that actually isn't 100% reliant on them and that will stand the test of time and is a project that they can invest in and use some of, you know, their audience to then leverage into something that is hopefully, and best case scenario, bigger than themselves. Yeah, And that's where I think like... You know Lachlan's done a great job it's where I think like Nade's obviously done a great job although he's you know clearly taken on a lot of VC funding which means he probably doesn't own like a majority of 100 Thieves anymore Um, but yeah I think it kind of goes back to like why are they starting it? and they're starting it because they probably want to build something that isn't 100% reliant on them but it's hard and like i think you still think of phase and think of phase banks you still think of 100 thieves and think of like courage and aid shot like i think yeah. i think it's very very difficult to draw that distinction so the people that can do it um yeah it's, it's almost amazing. like the
1: the biggest strength the, the biggest strength of most orgs is their creators but ultimately, mm-hmm. that's actually also kind of a weakness because... Yeah. Yeah, because ultimately it's like, do, do they become too reliant on those creators? Like, do those creators become too integral? Yeah. Um, I was also going to say... How do they
0: create assets that are like, not just based on the creators that are in the content?
1: Yeah, I was going to say though, I think the other reason that uh, you see a lot more creators kind of like doing stuff at the moment uh is that and like in a lot more of these like youtuber orgs starting up is that I think back in the day, um, you know, I think it's especially the case with like the one percent house, for example, right? Um Mm -hmm. because I think back in the day, you know, most pro players like goes back to that point we were talking about before about like YouTubers now being personalities. And that uh a lot of these guys now, you know, like actually just have like vast amounts of disposable income you know like org org contracts can be great you can get like 200 300 grand a year if you're a decent player like on an org contract like that's really Mm -hmm. really cool but ultimately like a lot of these guys are are big youtubers in their own right and they're probably making like 300 400 grand a month if they're you know a decent sized channel and it it makes it, it means that they're no longer is like financially reliant on the stability of an org contract to keep doing what they love. They're like, I can keep playing games regardless. Like I'm printing money doing YouTube and the occasional sponsored video. I don't need, mm. I don't need that contract to pursue my dream of, uh, of playing games. So like, I'd much rather, so true. I'd much rather like take a bit of a risk, take a bit of a chance and like go out on a limb and like try and do my own thing. And I, and I do so actually, true. and I actually also do think that that that's a large part of it, you know, like I think, um, yeah. For for me with for me with click, you know, like obviously, while it's like you're right, it's like it's like good knowing that YouTube has a half life and building something that will you know outlast your YouTube career. Um, but also, I think there's just an element of like finding something you're passionate about and wanting to you know kind of actually just run that project and like and half the enjoyment is just watching that project you know do its thing. If that yeah, makes
0: sense, yeah. I think it definitely puts orgs, like the traditional orgs, that are owned by companies in a difficult spot, though, because they know to be successful. Now, part of the recipe is making sure you've got big creators on the book so for creators that they sign or players they sign they want them to build a profile but then it's like when does it get to the point when they build a profile so big that they just want to leave and go do it by themselves which i think is like clearly a hundred percent what's happened with the hundred with the um one percent
1: yeah definitely i'm i'm really interested to see it like I, i just think all these orgs i think that it's really interesting and i actually think this is one thing that i'm trying to adjust in my own perspective of how i like analyze an org because i think a lot of the time you know i've i've talked about like oh but look at the youtube views these guys are getting versus these guys and i i I base it off that too much because i think Mm. to a lot of those more traditional orgs credit uh there is a lot to be said for being able to you know transition beyond just being like that content and actually making it a much bigger brand for example like you know like like what we're go- going back to what we were saying which is you know how do you stand alone and i think that uh um, yeah. energy could lose any one of its players and it would not yeah. be like anyone could leave team energy and the brand's going to be absolutely fine you know there'll be a few fans who are like oh i so love that true. guy but yeah Lockie can't leave team power and nade shot no. definitely can't leave 100 thieves and no. I think that that's a, a very interesting kind of, uh, you know, point of difference between them. But yeah, no, sorry. But it's super interesting that, uh, that yeah, I, I think that to the point of credit of energy, a lot of the time, yeah, sure, they sacrifice a little bit on the, like, view side because there's not mm. a single content creator that the whole channel is rallied around. But what they do get is that they have a much more stable brand and a much more kind of like totally. consistent thing and totally I, totally and i and i don't quite know what the right pathway to do that is i think that's actually hard and i think that's actually almost where you do need to have uh really really successful teams if you want to kind of exist as a as a brand in yourself and i think that's what energy does like energy is a well-known well-respected team because they have teams that just perform really damn well you know like their teams are just really good at the game and it's and people don't love energy necessarily because of the uh you know the the people that are in it they like energy because energy wins and they like people who win (laughs) and they're yeah. gonna, and they honestly
0: that's kind of been like a light bulb moment for me that we've just had in this chat because going into this chat i was like i think that the actual performance of teams matters very little to the esports yeah. org no I like agree. i'm thinking about i'm thinking about team power for example it's an oca team and like the prize money Is just not that big here. The opportunities are not that big here. The players, if the players are really, really good, will end up probably trying to go to NA to a bigger org where they yeah. have more opportunity and more competitive opportunity and more chance at much, much bigger prize pools. So, like, no one's making huge amounts of money on prize winnings in Fortnite in OCA relative to the rest of the wow. world. So, it's probably not the play. And, like, if you're an org, you're taking 20%. There's not a whole lot of money to be made there, and I I guess it depends again. Like, what's the goal? Maybe it's to make money with your org. Maybe it's to build a brand. Um, whatever. So that's where I was just like, I don't I don't really see the play there from a competitive perspective, even in the U. S. Like, I think a lot of people probably don't know how well um a lot of the major orgs actually perform. I just think they like align with one because they like the branding or they like the main personalities that that are there, like a banks yeah. or a or a um, but yeah, and I'm like, do the orgs even care? Probably not. Like, is the org if the org's aim is to get to a path of profitability, which most of the major orgs aren't right now, yeah. then. They don't really care about the prize winnings it's not about that they know that like branding and sponsorships and content is the thing and merch are the alternative revenue streams that are actually going to get them there but you're right it's like it's also a catch-22 because while they know that's what might actually be most profitable in the short term actually having good teams will be important in the long term because you're creating a brand asset that yeah. isn't dependent on personalities totally. Yeah. Okay, this leads me to my last question for you on this topic is to start an org in 2020, what do you think is important? Because we've touched on the fact that on one hand, you think having a lot of money or having like a huge amount of infrastructure isn't that important to an org. Games like Fortnite have democratized everything so much that you just don't need that and you can go in and as long as you're able to like pay the monthly salaries for your players, you're probably like sweet. But on the other hand, you look at, um, you know, brands like 100 Thieves and FaZe, and these companies have taken on a lot of funding. Like for people that don't know, um, 100 Thieves about two years ago had a massive VC investment, which means a firm will put a lot of money into the company and set big milestones for the growth that they want to achieve. And they'll also take a lot of ownership. So, you know, I doubt that... I doubt that Matt owns more than 50% of 100 Thieves right now. I think he probably owns quite a small percent and is paid a really generous salary. Yeah. Um, same with FaZe. Like, there are many, many investors in FaZe. FaZe Banks does not, like, the original people that started it don't own it anymore. They own a percent of it, but it's probably a small percent. And yeah. they need that so that they're able to... Buy these huge houses and um, start all these extra things. Like, how important do you think that is?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that I think that that probably shows a lot of the reason why. uh is in is in is your question about their ownership of it or?
0: Well, like, do you need to do that? Do you need to give up ownership to get a lot of investment? Because on the other hand, the 1% house have said we're the first or, like, we're one of the only self-funded esports teams and we've bought it all ourselves.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that actually a lot of the time, I, and I think, once again, I think that's the biggest thing that's come out of this conversation. I think the epiphany both you and I have had is that, <laughs> you know, I think going into it, we were like, oh, you know, like, the, the kind of um, the... The performance of your teams doesn't really matter. It's all about the content and the people behind it and how many views you're getting on YouTube. But I think the big thing we've come to realize is that no, performance actually does matter. And building a brand bigger than the individual creator is something that does matter. And I think actually, I mean, unless you've got a creator who really believes in the vision and is willing to put a lot of money into it, I actually think it is, I think to a point, you do kind of have to do it. I actually think, I think 100 Thieves uh, went too far. I would say that their org has huge sellout vibes when I look at any of their content. there's You cannot look at anything 100 Thieves other than them, other than their merch, but even their merch now is a little bit, without seeing Cash App or, you know, another sponsor. Rocket on it. Mortgage. Like, or Rocket Mortgage, you know? And it's kind of <laughs> like... And they're not even, like, necessarily cool sponsors, right? Cash App's okay, but, like, Rocket Mortgage... It's not like if you're like, oh, we're, we're sponsored by this energy drink, you know? It's kind of like not...
0: Yeah. They're sponsored by Chipotle. That's pretty cool.
1: Okay, that is cool. But 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 the point being that I actually think that you know, especially if you want to build the more brand side of stuff that. Yeah, I, I think if you – I think there are certain decisions that need to be made, and I think sometimes they're hard decisions, but that, mm. you know, it's it goes back to that thing of, like, it's better to have a smaller slice for a much bigger pie than have, like, the whole pie if it's just tiny, you know? And I think that
0: um, – Yeah, 100%.
1: And I think that I don't necessarily – and once again, we have no idea what the numbers are or any of the details behind it – um, I don't know if Nadeshot shot did it perfectly, but I definitely don't think that Hundred Thieves would be the the size that it is now if he hadn't done stuff like give Drake equity. In no it, you way. Know? And I don't think I don't think Drake probably like even knows really what Hundred Thieves is or or really engages with it at all out of that first post that he did, no. which was kind of like a a sweetener of the deal. But I, I think that it's still. Um, you know, it was still important and, and really grew their image. And, you know, they were already seen as like probably one of the coolest brands in esports. And that really yeah. helped build that. And I think that to a point in, uh, and this is the weird, this is the, the more interesting part for me is, um, I think it's it's like a big badge of legitimacy. I actually don't feel that certain orgs don't feel legit until they've had these big partnerships. Because I know for me, when I'm like, oh, wow, that org did something amazing, it's not because they won a tournament at a game. I'm like, oh, good on them. Like, that's good. But it's when I see, like, you know, Fnatic partnering with Gucci to make a watch. I'm like, Yeah, that's fucking
0: cool. I'm like,
1: that's some mainstream stuff, and that's ridiculous, and that's what big brands do. And I think that that's the same with, I I think, like, seeing Chipotle and 100 Thieves. Like, oh, wow, that's, like, a big endemic brand that is partnering with them on a really close level and i think that that's very impressive
0: yeah damn good chats that was a good little analysis from you elliot yeah
1: oh my god you've actually made me reconsider everything i think about esports though (laughs) now i was like i was like performance doesn't matter it's all about the influences behind it and now i'm like and now i'm like fuck the influences build a brand you know (laughs) like but but not actually i think but but i think it does show that um the, the balance between both is super important definitely yeah
0: very keen to hear like if you're listening to this or you're watching on youtube like leave a comment on what you think like what your perception is because i think elliot and i obviously see this from a lot of detail like from inside the industry but i'm really keen to see like what you guys think about it from outside
1: and final thoughts on it i wonder if all these youtubers starting orgs is really starting to dilute the meaning of an org if that makes sense like like for me i would say 100 Thieves is a fully legitimate big org. I would say, uh, and you know, like they feel like an org, I would say, um, yes. you know, same with like energy, but, and obviously the, the two I'm about to mention are brand new. So obviously they haven't had time to, uh, really kind of establish themselves as that. But if I think of 1% or power right now, I don't think of them as, you know, orgs. I more see them as like, like click you know, where it's like, oh, they're a YouTuber group. Like a group yeah, they're, they're a group of YouTubers who are friends who uh, also happen to compete in video games. Like, that's that's honestly yeah. more what it feels like right now. And I think if you actually look, I mean, if you it. look at the They've content... They've been around for,
0: like, two weeks.
1: Exactly. So exactly. And that's it. what I mean. It takes a little
0: while. And that's,
1: <laughs> and that's what I mean. Like, I don't... I don't, But yeah. but I would also say that but probably... I feel you. I feel you. I don't think FaZe feels necessarily like an org. I think they feel more like a gaming brand. But once again, I think that, like, there's, it, it's just, I think the esports space is really kind of like going broader in terms of, I think mm-hmm. on one hand you've got like the YouTube groups and then on the other hand you've got, you know, like an energy, which is just like a really corporate, well done, run like a, you know, baseball team kind of yeah. uh, company. Yeah. And then I think you've got, you know, phase clan about here and you know, team power, maybe more towards the content side, obviously once again, because they just started, but you basically got this full dynamic spread all the way across yeah. from the really pro run ones to the fully influencer centric ones. And it's just interesting seeing how everyone's kind of like doing their own take on how to do esports.
0: Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. It's like, is it an org, but actually doesn't even matter. Exactly. Very interesting. Okay. That was good. Um, good. Moving on. I want to talk about Morphe and Jeffree Star. So... After much controversy, which we touched on a couple of weeks ago, it seems as though Morphe has dropped Jeffrey Star completely, which was like pretty controversial. Given they were a and major, major partner for I, him. I was in gonna say
1: bit, bit of context quickly. More for, because I feel like if we got a, not, not, a, not every guy knows all the knows all the makeup brands. Morphe is, and correct me if I'm wrong, Grace, a, a giant makeup brand that essentially yeah. was a distributor for Jeffrey Star's individual makeup line.
0: Yes, yes. Major distributor. He had a big, big contract with them. And um, there was like some rumors that he was actually a silent partner or like a part owner of the Morphe brand, which it seems like he probably isn't given that they dropped him. But I think like for me, the interesting question that this poses about the industry is like the fact that brands now have to have be really, really switched on to the behavior of the creators that they work with. And It's a really interesting thing because brands have to align with influencers and that's super powerful for them. But at the same time, it's risky because at the end of the day, these influencers are just people and they can go rogue and say all different sorts of things. And I think this is an example where that's happened. And I think it like kind of leads on from what we were talking maybe a couple months ago about like H3H3 and people calling out different people's sponsors and saying, like, can you believe that this brand sponsors this person? And suddenly you're not just questioning the ethics of the creator, you're questioning the ethics of a brand to align with that creator.
1: And and not only that creator, I actually think this, whenever this kind of stuff happens, it's really damaging to the, like, YouTuber influencer industry as a whole you know, it's like, um, it's very similar to how the initial adpocalypse started. It wasn't that everyone on YouTube was running wild doing horrible things. It was that PewDiePie said the N-word and suddenly there was a conversation that, oh wow, our ads are put on content that we don't fully control or understand. And we can't guarantee that, it's going to be... Because, you know, I think I think the biggest thing about corporations is they are meticulously controlling, you know, in everything yeah. that they do. They're always like, everything needs to be just the way it should be. And that's, like, super important to all of them. They, they need to, you know, the brand messaging. Before, they, before most big companies do a tweet, it gets run through, like, eight different levels of, you know, the company to make sure that it's all yeah. on message and approved. So suddenly, if you're kind of putting... In a sense, putting your brand in the hands of uh, a creator who you know might be an okay person, but they're definitely not going to be as refined as what you're looking uh, as what you would normally do, then that's scary.
0: Which is partly the beauty of it, but is also scary.
1: Yeah. Yeah, oh, exactly. And I think that it's it's just a really hard trade-off. And I actually, I don't know what it's going to do. I'm curious to see how it all gets affected because I, I think that obviously there isn't a scenario where a brand can really be like, I'm not going to work with influencers at all. I mean, there is, but they'd be shooting themselves in the foot. But I also think that this is really going to make brands like question and probably look a li- think a little bit harder about, who they yeah. partner with. And I think that there are some like, I mean, like Morphe dropping Jeffrey and, um, and Shane, oh my God, that would have cost them so much money. Like you, you hear yeah. the numbers getting thrown around about, um, about, you know, the, when they were doing that initial palette for just Shane Dawson. Oh and, yeah. Like, the, the inventory
0: that, that they'd be carry- carrying. hundred percent.
1: It would have been insane, but. Like, but but that's like a, that's a cost that they decided to eat to preserve their overall brand. And I think that it's um, it's going to be very interesting to see how wh- whether you know brands like pull back a bit on creator partnerships, whether they do them more as like a once-off thing rather than a long-term thing. Um, yeah, I-, I think it's super interesting. I, I think also uh, on a similar topic, uh, just you know, so we can it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a watch time uh, in the past month if we didn't also mention Doctor Disrespect. But uh, how he had a lot of long, long, long-term partnerships. And I know a lot of brands, even though we still don't
0: know what happened. Where pulled, is he?
1: Where, Where is, is he? the doc? Where is he? But seriously. I
0: haven't forgotten about it. I feel like it's gone quiet over the I last know. couple of weeks. I, I wake, wake up every morning every and I'm
1: like, why aren't people still talking about this? I need to know. Um, but yeah, like a lot of uh, his more long-term brands, I believe, pulled their sponsorships with him. And he got dropped by his management company. Um, really? So yeah. Uh, what what is it? Op? Is it Op? Op talent? No, yeah. loaded. 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 Dropped him. Um, oh really? Yeah, I believe so. Let me.
0: Wow. Okay, that's interesting. I haven't clued up on that. Yeah. I think it's unbelievable. I think it's unbelievable that we. Still didn't know. I'm gonna eat my words from a couple of weeks ago when we did the episode on him because I'm pretty sure I said we don't know now, but this news always gets out public and it still hasn't. So, um, so yeah, so I'm to
1: me, the,
0: fascinated.
1: To me, the indicator that he's definitely and so I feel like we feel like we've really segued onto this topic, but it's doctor disrespect. I'm gonna talk about it. Um, but but the thing that really is a giveaway to me more than anything that he has definitely done something like bad of which there is evidence for. And it's currently probably just being kept really private is the fact that uh, his management dropped him. Cause I feel like management would definitely be in the behind the scenes. They would know what mm-hmm. happened. And I feel like if there was even a shred of doubt, management is always going to be like, okay, we'll back you and get this cleared up. Yeah. hundred percent. management 100%. is not normally like brands are very uh, quick to like cut someone loose if there's any kind of controversy, but I don't think that management companies are. So I think his management company cutting him is, that is, that is an interesting one.
0: Yeah. I think management companies are there to align and have the creators back Mm. generally under all circumstances. You should be partners together. So the only reason that I could imagine a management company really dropping someone is if they, like either had a massive falling out or that they just ethically don't align with, um, with the creator yeah. anymore, which probably is an indicator of that. So
1: yeah, I, I still want to know happens.
0: though. I'm not satisfied with I that know. as an answer. I know. I Me need neither. to know more. Oh
1: my God. I actually had a nightmare and I was like, what if we never found out? What if <gasps> we never found out? I don't believe that could possibly happen. Because there'll be some guy who's currently working at Twitch that knows and he'll leave in a year and he'll be drunk at a party and he'll tell someone and then that'll spread. But it's actually a nightmare <laughs> You <scenario>. hope. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. But it is like a nightmare scenario to me that I might not know. I'm not good with not knowing. I can't. It just, it, I, I don't do it.
0: I can see the stress on your face right oh, now. Oh, <laughs> my
1: God. I hate not knowing. I hate it.
0: Okay, if anyone has any conspiracy theories, please let us yeah, know. Yeah, just send
1: them to me. I'll, I'll just breathe them in. I don't care if it's true or not. I just want something slightly believable that I can just eat down on, you know? Give me a scrap. Oh. Anyway.
0: Dude, is TikTok being banned?
1: yeah this is so cr- okay okay but here's the thing i almost feel like it's the just the big talked up overhyped thing at the moment where everyone everyone loves drama and you know a little bit of something happens and suddenly everyone likes to act like the world's ending and i and you know i, I think what realistically tiktok was banned in india correct
0: mm-hmm. india and china a couple of Asian countries now yeah
1: yeah india and china like not the biggest fans of each other especially right now after they had that little skirmish on the on the border where you know like i think 20 40 people were killed um and and this happened like a week after they banned tiktok a week after that so it almost feels a bit like punitive from india's perspective but Mm -hmm. also like i think the privacy concerns are are real but also i i don't i I think number one (laughs) There's a lot of, there's a lot of things taking your information a lot more effectively than TikTok is. Um, And number two, uh, like, like, and number two, I, I just, I just, I, I think if there were privacy concerns that extended to a point where like America or Australia or these big countries were like, okay, we're going to like ban TikTok. I think TikTok would be like, no, 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 it's fine. Like we've we've done this. You know, like this is I think ultimately the business of TikTok is too big that they're not going to risk losing everything just so that they can see what the last thing people copy paste it is, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's I think it's interesting. I'll be sad if it leaves. I'm self-proclaimed love TikTok. I think it's a brilliant app. I think it's one of the best social media apps to start in the last 5 years.
1: Maybe maybe all these like short form video apps are just cursed, you know? Think about Vine. Like Vine was popular and it it shut down. It couldn't sustain itself. TikTok's popular, and now it looks like it's going to be shut down because they can't stop snooping into people's private stuff. You know, like, well, you know,
0: what's interesting is when the news about the security concerns about TikTok came out, um, the other short form video apps that are out there, one, uh, what do we call it? Is it Byte? What's it called? Starts with a B.
1: I don't, I don't really watch <gasps> we any of
0: spoke about it like back in February. Um, one of them. There was like three other short form video apps, and they all shot to the top ten of the app store really As soon, within the within the couple days of the security concerns about TikTok coming out um, happened. So I found that like super interesting.
1: I just find it so funny though. Like like to be honest, I like I I don't know for me right. I'm like I literally. Don't care. I'm like, TikTok, my life is not that interesting. You wanna know where I went this morning? I went to the cafe, I got a coffee, I came into the office. You wanna know like what my browser history is? Cool. Probably not that different to anyone else's. Like, I just, I don't think that my, unless they're literally logging into my bank account and taking all my money, I just don't think that my life is interesting enough that I really care if anyone takes it. Now, on principle, I understand that it's a problem. And like I can understand like high level security concerns and how it's a runaway issue. But to be honest, I just like I don't I, like I,
0: on a personal level I'm not. On a personal that
1: interesting. level, I'm not that interesting. I'm just I'm just flat not, man. Like and I and I really wonder like who is interesting enough that, you know, like that TikTok taking their information is a genuine concern. I can understand didn't like Ninja tweet didn't ninja tweet he was like, I'm deleting TikTok. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like I was like Damn. But, but even for then, you. yeah. Even then, I'm just like, like even like a ninja. Like, what, what's, what are you, what are you protecting? Like, I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't think there's anything that I really have not. that the Chinese government is like. We need to get that. We need that information. Elliot is holding this, this piece of cr- knowing Elliot's route to work every morning will be crucial in our plans for world domination. I just don't think they care.
0: I think the only other interesting question that it poses is around the diversification for creators. Like you see Vine. Vine was an app that failed. And there are definitely like a handful, maybe 10 to 20 Viners that successfully pivoted to Instagram and YouTube and that sort of thing and now have massively successful careers. But for the few creators that were successfully able to do that, guarantee you there were thousands of creators that were successful on Vine that didn't manage to pivot and I think like that should be a lesson for the TikTokers um, that if you if you're successful on TikTok you just it's just not enough to rely on one platform these days like I think you've got to work out how to diversify and how to make it like a long-term thing actually I believe I've heard David Dobrik talk about this on one of his podcasts he was just like there's you've just got to be able to think about like what's the longer term play because you can't you know, you can make money on TikTok for sure through brand deals, but only so much. You've got to figure out, like, how can I actually make this into a career Yeah, if that's what you want?
1: Yeah, no, 100%. And I think those those fine people that did transition over, I mean, yeah, that that's the difference between if you are someone who now probably has a huge career versus if you now just have this memory of when you used to be a Vine star and now you're kind of just doing a normal yeah. job. You know, seriously. Yeah, I think I think being able to be diverse in and the thing is, and what's interesting is that, um, you know, I think it's actually kind of hard a lot of the time. I think David Dobrik's a good example of someone who's actually managed to keep his content relatively similar in terms of like what his Vine content would have been in those short form funny mm. moments, and make that work on YouTube. But I think for most Vine people, YouTube's an interesting challenge because you can't just one for one. Uh, unless you're David Dobrik You can't one for one Just transfer your content over You really It's a yeah. very different style
0: Yeah 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 Same way yeah. vice, vice versa
1: I struggle with TikTok Because I don't yeah. do I don't do the little Five to ten second Short form funnies Like that's just not Yeah me. I talk loudly That's what I do It Doesn't work <laughs> as well In a ten second video um, oh, But yeah You're
0: no. talented At a couple other things
1: What's What's your bet? Is uh, Is it done? Is it gonna be gone? Is there is Nah,
0: I think it's here to stay. Yeah. I think it's here to stay. That's my bet. I think they'll work it out.
1: But... Yeah, I think I think right now you got a few governments like trying to, you know, be like, Oh yeah, China, you better watch out. We'll ban your app. But I don't think they'll do it. Then again, Donald Trump might do it, just as like a bit of a middle finger to China. But um
0: Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. Good chats, good chats, good chats. Okay. Is that all we've got time for today? I think that
1: is all we've got time for today. I really loved our org chat. I feel like we really worked through some things. I know.
0: I feel like I need to go away and like reflect on this because we had some breakthroughs for ourselves.
1: Yeah. My understanding of orgs and what makes them function has just really evolved in the space of that 30 minute conversation. (laughs)
0: Okay, I'll leave that with you. Thank you. (laughs) Guys, go subscribe to the Highlights channel if you want. We uploaded a really long episode with Andy Miller last week, which was amazing. But if you've only got a little bit of time, the Highlights channel will be a great place to catch the best bits of that conversation around um, like when he sold his company to Steve Jobs. uh, It was very funny and very crazy i felt like stressed for him yeah and leave a comment subscribe on whatever app you're listening on and we will see you guys next week
1: goodbye planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen